Let's dive into the Word of God. This has been a three-part series called Sacred Spaces, and I've just been leading the church through the tabernacle. Uh, it's so funny because I look across the group that I'm speaking to, and a lot of times I can just see like blank stares like, what in the world are we talking about? A tent with all these pieces of furniture in it. But did you know 40% of the book of Exodus is devoted to the description of this tent? This is not just an ordinary tent. This tent is a replica of what heaven is like. And God didn't just arbitrarily pick seven pieces of, six pieces of furniture uh, that meant nothing. Each one of these furniture pieces matter. And so I've just been taking us through. The first week we talked about the altar where sacrifices were made, and that represents the cross. And uh, all of these things are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And then we came to the laver, which was the place the priest washed, which represents the word of God that cleanses us. Last week, we went into the holy place, and to the right, there was a table of showbread, which represents fellowship and relationship, that God wants us to have fellowship with him, but also with each other. And then if you turn to your left, you would see a, a lampstand with seven lamps uh, on it, and that represented the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit and his watchfulness over our life. And then we came to the altar of incense, which represents prayer that goes up before the throne of God. And this week is our final week. Uh, and I'm going to call this message unprecedented access. Unprecedented access. Have you ever been somewhere that you felt like lucky to be in? Some place where you just kind of pinched yourself and said, what am I doing in this place? Uh, well, the Holy of Holies is uh, really symbolic of the throne room of God. And as we sit here and as you sit there right now, this is very normal. This space that we're in, there's a lot of people in here. It's very normal but there is a holy place, there's a sacred place right now as we sit here that angels are screaming, holy, holy, holy. It's present a reality. This is happening. And it's not just now. It's been happening for all of time, all eternity. And it'll happen for all eternity. And one day, you're going to be in the holy of holies at the throne room of God. And angels are going to be screaming, holy, holy, holy. But did you know that we don't just have to wait for heaven to access that throne room? We actually have the ability as the priests of God to go into the holy of holies right now. Let's talk about the word holy just for a moment. We sang today, holy is the Lord. And, and I love that song, holy forever, holy forever. What, is, what does holy mean? Holy means different. That's what it means. It means Otherly. It means something that is set apart and different. So when we scream and cry holy, what we're acknowledging about God is that there is no one like him. There's no one in his class. There's no one in his league. He is the only one like him. He is holy. But do you know what God says about his people? He says that we are holy. You are different. You are a peculiar people. He has set you apart. You're not average. You're not normal. You are holy. And he's inviting us into holiness. So when we talk about his throne room and where the angels cry, holy, 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 we have access into that holy place because we have been made holy. So I can't wait to share with you on this place, the holy place. I want to read from Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 5. Uh, chapter 9 and verse 1. We're going to read a few verses together. That first covenant between God and Israel had regulations for worship and a place of worship here on earth. There were two rooms in that tabernacle. In the first room 
where a lampstand, a table, and sacred loaves of bread on the table. This room was called the holy place. Then there was a curtain, and behind the curtain was the second room called the most holy place. In that room were a gold incense altar and a wooden chest called the Ark of the Covenant, which was covered with gold on all sides. Inside the Ark were a gold jar containing manna, Aaron's staff that sprouted leaves, and the stone tablets of the covenant. Above the ark were the cherubim of divine glory, whose wings stretched out over the ark's cover, the place of atonement. But we cannot explain these things in detail now. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, as we talk about this incredible subject of your holy place, Lord, I pray our eyes would become enlightened, that we would see the holiness of God, and we would see our calling to be holy and to be pulled into the holiness of God. Holy Spirit, rest in every one of the sanctuaries that we're in right now. Lord, be present among us. Convict us of sin. Draw us into your glory. Draw us into your presence, Lord. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said amen. amen. I just want to divide this talk into three major components. The first thing I want to talk about is the ark. The second thing I want to talk about is the atonement. And the third thing I want to talk about is our access. The first thing that I want to say is on the Ark of the Covenant. Did anybody ever see Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark? I'm so sorry. You had to see that, that movie. No, it was great. Classic. What's funny is if you watch it years later, you realize how cheesy it is and how far video graphics have come. But the whole point of the story, uh, that movie, is people looked into the Ark of the Covenant and you remember all their faces melted off. It was like nuclear. And, uh, but did you realize that that actually happened? Because this box, this, the Ark of the Covenant, our team put together a little picture of the Ark. Uh, the Ark of the Covenant was a box. It was about three, three foot by a foot and a half wide. But it was, it was made out of wood overlaid in gold. And imagine just a chest, uh, like, a, like a treasure chest. And, and this, this treasure chest was filled with three components. And I'll, I'll have them put up the three components that were there. The first component that was in there was the Ten Commandments. All of this is super symbolic. God was saying something to us. And basically, the, the point of the Ten Commandments was, this is the foundation of our relationship. If you want to come into this holy place, the Ten Commandments is the law, and this is how we have relationship. It was almost like a contract, and it was written there. If you want to approach the throne of God, you have to abide by the, the contract. But how many of you know that we don't follow the contract 100% and we mess up, we fall short of that standard, which is why the second thing was in there. The second thing was a jar of manna. And if you track the Jewish people, they didn't have bread in the wilderness, so God provided bread in the wilderness, which means when we lack, he provides. So if you look at the first thing, the Ten Commandments, this is how we approach God. But if we fall short, we move to the second thing, which is God provides a sacrifice. God's provision is when we're weak, he is strong. And, and when we don't measure up, thank God for his grace. Thank God for his provision. He provides a sacrifice every time. The third thing that was in that chest was a rod. And this was just the, the, the rod of a shepherd and, and there was a story that happened. There was strife among the leaders of the tribes. And the Lord said, let each tribe choose a, a rod and put it in my presence. After the rods were in the presence of the Lord for an entire night, when they came in, only one of the rods had sprouted almond branches. It, like a, a rod had life in it. 
and God was saying, this is my chosen man, and this is my chosen tribe, the tribe of Levi, and this rod was put in there to symbolize that God has a choice, somebody who's going to be the priest, somebody that's going to offer the sacrifice. So within this ark, go back to the picture of the ark, Within this, within this ark, those three things were there, and it just symbolizes this. When we fall short of the Ten Commandments, God provides a sacrifice, and he has a chosen priest, and his name is Jesus. <laughs> On top of the Ark of the Covenant, you can see there were cherubim that overlooked the Ark of the Covenant. And really, if you say, what is the purpose of the Ark of the Covenant? Well, the ark symbolizes the very throne of God. And as I mentioned at the beginning of this message, somewhere right now, the real throne of God exists and there are real cherubim and those guys are crying holy, holy. And this ark symbolizes the throne of God. And this is where the priest would come in on an annual basis and, and only the high priest, like the average person never could even go into the holy place, but only the high priest could go into the holy of holies and behold this throne of God. Over the Ark of the Covenant, there was a cloud, and it was the glory of God. And when Moses wanted to meet with God, he would come into the tabernacle, and and God would speak to him from over the cherubim. So when this Ark came out into the wild, things got wild. This Ark was carried by the Levites into battle. They didn't send their soldiers first. They would put the ark of God on their, on, their, on their shoulders and they would walk into battle. Whole armies would begin to fight each other instead of fight them. It was like God would throw them into confusion. When this ark came, it was as if the throne of God was walking in. It was as if the king was elevated on their shoulders and was coming in to the camp of the enemy. So this ark one time was captured by the Philistines was brought into their territory and put in the temple of Dagon. And it was left overnight in the temple of Dagon. The next morning they came in and the statue of Dagon had fallen down. They put it back up and left it again overnight. It fell down again. And then the third night it fell down and broke apart. So they took it out and they sent it to the next village over. Well, everybody broke out in tumors, cancerous tumors. They they brought it to the next place and rats began to come everywhere. It was like they came under a curse because they weren't handling the presence of God correctly. Well, the Philistines said, get this thing out of here. They sent it back to the people of Israel and the Bible says that a group from Beth Shemesh greeted the cart as it came and they looked into the Ark of the Covenant and 70 of them died. That's probably where Indiana Jones got the inspiration because actually 70 people died. Later on, the same ark was brought into Jerusalem by David and David didn't do it correctly. He brought it on a cart instead of put it on people's shoulders. And the Bible says that it's the, ark, uh, the, the oxen stumbled and the ark was falling and Uzzah reached out and touched it and as he did, he was struck dead. So you're like, man, I don't want this ark anywhere around me. But a man named Obed-Edom had the ark brought into his house and he respected it and reverenced it and had it in a, in a special room. And the Bible says that he began to be blessed, crazily blessed all over Israel. People were talking about it. Have you heard about Obed-Edom and his blessing? And King Solomon knew how to honor it and he brought it into the temple and he put it in its place. And the Bible says the glory of God filled the temple and nobody could even walk in because of God's glory. It was both a blessing and a curse. 
So what do we take from all of this? Well, I believe that the ark, that God wants the ark in your life. He wants you to host the presence of the Lord. If the ark represents the throne of God, bring God's throne into the middle of your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday mornings. Begin to host the presence of God in your life and watch the blessing of the Lord over your life. Just watch the favor of the Lord. Watch the blessing of the Lord. It's true when you honor the throne of God, when you put him first, when you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added unto you. So the question about your Monday is, is the ark in your life? Is the ark present? Is the presence of the Lord enthroned in your life? And guys, we're also ordinary people. I mean, we get up in the morning and make some coffee and eat a biscuit. We are ordinary people, but God has called us into this extraordinary life of hosting the presence of the Lord. Maybe that feels a million miles from you right now, but I just want you to know you're called. You're called to host the ark of God. You're called to host the presence of the Lord. He's inviting you in to let his throne ascend in your Monday. Let his throne ascend in your week. Amen? Amen. So that's the ark. Now, I want to talk about the atonement. The atonement is a fancy word. There's also uh, a few other words that talk about our forgiveness. Atonement is a fancy word. Uh, there's actually a day of atonement. The Jewish people call it Yom Kippur. Atonement means that you're forgiven. You've been released. Uh, propitiation is another word. And in, in ancient religions, they felt like the gods were moody and the gods were emotional. And if you got on the bad side of the gods, they would, they would storm your house. They would send wind and blow it over. They were, and so they would bring offerings to appease the wrath of the god. And the word propitiation means appease the wrath of a god. So the question is, is our God emotionally angry with us? Is he up there just waiting to smash us? And if we tick him off, he just comes after us. And the truth is, our God does have wrath. But why does he have wrath? The, the answer to that is, God's wrath is poured out against sin. God hates sin. And you're like, well, are you talking about just a little fractional sin? Or No, God hates sin all the way to the depths. When you look at murderers and rapists and people who do horrible things that you don't even want to talk about, God sees every single one of those sins, and so his wrath is justified against humanity because he's a just God. So when we say... We say, well, I haven't done anything. No, all of us are tainted with that same sin, that same failure, and the wrath of God will be poured out upon all sin. So Jesus Christ became the sacrifice that is the propitiation for our sins. In other words, we're no longer under the wrath of God, but we are released from his wrath, and now we're under the smile of God because of this atonement. So let me paint a picture for you. On the day of Yom Kippur, the high priest envisioned this. He was decked out. This guy had a beautiful headdress. He had jewels, 12 jewels on his chest. He had, I mean, his garments were amazing. But on Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, he was told to take off all of his incredible garments. And he, and he was made to wear linen clothes. So just these plain linen clothes. And... So he lost all of his dignity. He lost all of his majesty, and he just came in this linen garment. And he would walk to the front of the 
tabernacle, and there was two goats there. They would cast die for which of the goats would be chosen to be sacrificed. One of them would be selected to be put to death, and the other one was chosen to be released. Can I just pause and say, our high priest took off all of his beautiful garments of divinity, laid them down and put on human flesh and linen, and he came down to this earth on the day of atonement. And then there was two. There was Barabbas and there was Jesus, and one was chosen to be the sacrificial lamb for us. And it, Barabbas was released, and Jesus was chosen. And that goat was slain right there. And the priest would take the blood of that goat and he would walk in. He would imagine the priest walking past the altar, walking past the laver, going into the holy place, past the bread, past the lampstand, past the altar of incense, and into the holy of holies once a year. The Bible said if he didn't come in right, that he would fall down dead. So, I mean, this was a privilege and a scary moment for him. He walked in with his blood, and then he threw the blood seven times on the mercy seat, that Ark of the Covenant. I want you to put the picture of the Ark of the Covenant back up for me, guys. Seven times he would sling the blood on the front, and this represented bringing the blood to the throne room of God. And this blood was the propitiation and the expiation for your sins. This atoned for your sins. Then the high priest would walk back out again. And he would put back on his priestly robes. He would ascend back into his majesty. And they would release the goat uh, into the wilderness. And all of this was symbolic because our Jesus went in. And here's, this is where it matters for all of us today. Is millions of Jewish people would surround that tent. And they would watch the priest as he disappeared into that tent. And they didn't know what was going on in there. They couldn't see what was going on in there. They had to trust that the blood that was put on that mercy seat atoned for their sins. And I can imagine them all just saying, I wonder what he's doing now. I wonder if he's doing it. I wonder if he's putting the blood. And then when he emerged, they knew that their sins had been atoned for and had been forgiven. And just like that, we are all called to trust that our priest is gone into the veil of the real tabernacle in heaven, that he has brought his own blood into the holy place, and he has brought it there. And I'd like to read Hebrews 9 and verse 11 says, so Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered into that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. He secured our redemption forever. So you and I are in 2024. It's hard to believe that we're in that year. But we're here in 2024, and we're standing outside the tabernacle, and we, we know that the high priest has ascended, and he has brought his blood, and that blood speaks. But it's by faith that we trust that we're right with God. There's going to come a day when the high priest reemerges again, and we will all see him with our eyes. But right now, he has gone to make a place for us. He has gone to atone for us, and we have faith in that atonement. Amen. Amen. So although we're guilty, the price has been paid. You say, how do I access this forgiveness? How do I access this sacrifice? You must believe 
and the power of that blood and the power of that sacrifice. And you must put your faith in what Jesus has done. You're not putting your faith in yourself. You're not putting your faith in your performance. You're putting your faith in the man who went into the tent and he brought his blood in there to purify you. And that is where our faith is. And when we believe in that blood, then his sacrifice counts for us. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood. Praise the Lamb of God who was slain. Let him receive all glory. Lord, we worship you. We pause just a moment, and we just say thank you for your blood. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for releasing us, Lord, from our sins and where we've fallen short. We put our trust and our faith in the high priest, Jesus Christ. Amen. So then the final thing that we want to talk about is our access. So what now? What now? Well, there was a four-inch thick linen curtain that stood between the holy place and the holy of holies. This four-inch thick linen curtain was purple, blue, and red. And in, in the design of it were cherubim. This is symbolic of the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve got expelled from the Garden of Eden, cherubim with flames of fire stood there and said, you're not welcome into the presence of God. And so in the same way, this curtain stood there as a reminder to everyone that we could not access our creator. We could not access our father, both in this life or in the next. The beautiful thing that happened when Jesus died on the cross and that blood was shed, and I'd like to read it in your hearing, Matthew chapter 27, verse 50. Then Jesus shouted out again, and he released his spirit at that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, not from bottom to top. Where we're, we're, it's our efforts tearing this temple. It's God that wanted this done. It's God who tore it from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart, and now we have access into the very throne room of God. We have access. We don't have to stand outside the tabernacle, in the outer court. In the, we have access to the holy of holies. This is so powerful. In Hebrews 4, verse 14, it says, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings as we do, yet he did not sin. Watch this. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Brothers and sisters, you have the right and the access, not just the high priest, that thing is ripped open and you have the right to come into the presence of God, into the throne room of God and ask for mercy and ask for grace when we need it. And Hebrews 10 verse 19 says, therefore brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up through the curtain. Hey, everybody catch this. This is so valuable and important. Watch this verse in verse 20. By the new and living way that he opened up through the curtain, that is through his flesh. The veil was ripped, but the real veil was the flesh of Jesus Christ. That spear pierced and the veil was torn. What's on the inside right there? The heart. 
the veil, his veil was ripped and now we have access to the very heart of God. This is not just to the throne of God, this is to the heart of God, his emotions, his empathy, his compassion, intimacy with him. We have access into, through that veil to know him deeply. Verse 21, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us all draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So what is the point? Is that we have access, averaged everyday people have access to the throne of God. What do we do at the throne of God? Well, at the throne of God, we worship because he is holy and he's, he's so holy. We can acknowledge that holiness, but what else do we do? Well, we plead for mercy. We say, Lord, cover us with mercy. Forgive our shortcomings. Forgive my thoughts yesterday and the words that I spoke and cover me with mercy, Lord. But then from that place, we also ask for grace. Grace is not just uh, forgiveness of sin and uh, a quick, oh, that doesn't matter. What grace is, is empowering. Family, listen, there is never a moment where you can pray for grace where God will not give it to you. I, this is not just hypothetical talk. This is, I have experienced this 100% of the time where I ask my father for grace. He fills me with grace. What do I mean by that? It's a strengthening. It's an unbelievable sense of overcoming that fills my heart. Within 30 seconds, his grace lifts, his grace empowers, and his grace is there. You can ask for wisdom and you'll receive it, but grace is one you'll never ask for and, and be denied. You can always ask for grace. And at his throne, we petition him. We have access. We don't have to ask Saint such and such to go in there and talk to him. And we don't have to ask Mother Mary to go in and talk to him. We don't have to, we can come directly in to the throne room of grace and talk to our Father He's enthroned between the cherubim. We have access there. Amen? So get the ark in your life. Get his presence in there. Prioritize it. Receive your atonement. Believe in your atonement. Believe in your forgiveness. And come boldly into the throne room of grace. As we conclude this series, Sacred Spaces, what my prayer is is that you feel drawn into God's presence deeper and deeper, that you don't remain on the outside, but you come in to the Holy of Holies and you access it on a daily basis. I want to ask every person to stand across all of our sanctuaries.